Welcome to our Soul Food Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Princeton, West Virginia. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Jude. If you don't know where Jude is, it's right before Revelation. And we are going to finish up this book today. When Pastor Bill asked me to teach while he was on sabbatical a couple of months ago, I thought, you know, I can do the book of Jude in one one session. Well, this is the third one, and I feel like I have just skimmed over it, really, and not, not really gone into depth on the, what all is in this little short book a book that is largely ignored, unfortunately, by uh, so many churches and so many people. And I am even considering now um, maybe going into the book of Jude in in great depth uh, on Wednesday night after uh, we finish up the book of Isaiah in our Wednesday night study. If I decide to do that, you can thank uh, Ray Lynn because she told me that just because I did it on Sunday morning doesn't need, mean that I can't do it on Wednesday night. So she, she talked me into it. <laughs> so anyway, let's finish up the book um, today, and we're going to begin at, at chapter 20. So if you would, let's stand for the reading of the word and for prayer. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a difference. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to prevent you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Father God, we're just so grateful to be able to come together this morning to uh, praise you, to enjoy the, the fellowship of, of your people, to your enjoy the fellowship of your Holy Spirit, and to just study your word and to hear what you have to say to us this morning. Lord, I ask for your help, your anointing, your guidance. I can do nothing in myself, Lord, that would make any difference for eternity. But with you, all things are possible, because you told us, Lord, that your word would would accomplish what you send it out to do, that it would not return to you void. And Lord, we ask this morning that it will do just that. 
but it will equip your people. Build up your, your saints, Lord, for your service and your work. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Uh, the first 19 chapters of the book of Jude, Jude is warning the church to be on the lookout for false teachers, to be prepared because they will come. They will infiltrate the church with the intention of harming the Lord's people. Now, I think it is significant here at the end that Jude does not tell us to attack these false teachers that he refers to as certain men. But he says, you know, he doesn't tell us to attack them. You know, that's our natural tendency, isn't it? Whenever something is uh, bothering us to attack it head on, you know, to, to get rid of it, to wipe it out. And that's a negative approach. God's, God doesn't tell us to do things that way. But unfortunately, the church has adopted that practice over the years, even back from early times. In fact, the medieval church, uh, the practice was if somebody was was teaching heresy, you burn them at the stake. You know, unfortunately, you know, this carried on over into the Protestant church. They didn't just burn people at the stake. They were also uh, beheaded and uh, all sorts of, of bad things that, that the church did over the, the centuries. Fortunately, um, we don't do that anymore, at least for the most part. But unfortunately, we, we still try to uh, behead one another you know, and, and maybe not physically, but spiritually anyway, you know. So much of what I hear on radio and television is uh, the church attacking the church. People proclaiming uh, one another as being false teachers over things that are basically insignificant, you know, when it comes to you know, whether or not we are in the faith, whether or not we believe, you know, what the Bible is, is telling us about our, our common salvation. But <clears throat> Jude is not talking about that. He is talking about people who want to destroy our faith or to, at best, render us ineffective. You know, and he tells us, you know, how to deal with them. Fortunately, you know, God's ways are much more effective than our ways. You know, he tells us that we are not to return evil for evil, but return evil for good. Paul says in Romans 12, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of, of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, <clears throat> there is a little different method prescribed in dealing with evil within the world and evil within the church. <clears throat> evil within the church, we are basically told, you know, not to attack these people, but 
to have nothing to do with these people. If we are to focus on the good, focus on what is right, focus on the real, and let God deal with the false and the counterfeit. We're to pay these, what Jude refer to, refers to as certain men, we are to pay them no attention except for the necessary warnings, you know, not to listen to them, and then let God take care of them. In verse 20, he begins by saying, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You know, almost every time in the Bible we see the word but, something good follows. There's a couple of exceptions. I, I particularly like it when it says but God because that, that usually means that, you know, this is bad on this side, but it's, you know, something really good is on, on this side. Now, this time Jude is saying, but you, but it's still good. You know, you have the bad guys on this side, but you are on the right side. You are on the good side. Now, he's saying that we are not the same as these certain men, you know, these false teachers that he has been warning us about. You know, if we look back to the beginning, back in, in verse 1, you know, he identifies who he is writing to and who the but you are. He says, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. In other words, he's talking to believers, to Christians, to the true church, to you guys, as well as all the people that came before us and those that will be coming after us. He <coughs> is including us who are called, who who are sanctified, and who are preserved. And telling us, well now, let me say this, looking at, at these closing remarks of Jude, you know, we need to keep it in context of what he is writing about. You know, we can make other applications to his exhortation here. But, you know, we need to keep it within the context that he's writing about. And he is writing about warnings against false teachers. And he is concluding by saying how we are to deal with them, what we are to do about them. We've been warned. Now what do we do? And the first thing that we need to do is to build up ourselves on our most holy faith. Now, how do we do that? Yeah, by praying in the Spirit, keeping ourselves in the love of God, and looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, first of all, let's look at keeping ourselves in the love of God. 
you know, we know that God loves everybody. For God so loved the world. He loves the ungodly. If he didn't love the ungodly, nobody would ever be saved. Because we are all sinners. We have all fallen and come short of the glory of God. And all is a pretty inclusive word, isn't it? All means all. means everybody. So, you know, Romans uh, 5, 6 through 10 says that when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man one will die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Keeping ourselves in the love of God. Now, Jesus, uh, Jude isn't saying that we are to live in such a way to make ourselves lovable to God. He says and said, keep yourselves in the love of God. That means to keep ourselves in harmony with God's ever-present love. We cannot make ourselves any better than what we are. We are born into sin, and God loves us that way. But we need to understand, too, that when the Bible says that God loves the ungodly, it doesn't mean that God wants us to remain ungodly. This one of the false teachers, teachings rather, that Jude is warning about is the idea that God loves us just like we are and he's fine with us just like we are. If we say, yeah, yeah, God loves me just the way I am and so I'm not going to change, you know, there's no, no need for me to to do anything different than what I'm doing is to wipe out, you know, the fact that Jesus need to die. And but actually, you know, when 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 you say that, you're you're really saying, well, oh, God loves me, so I I must be pretty good. Well, no. The fact that God loves us shows us how great God is, not how good we are. Now, God's love extends everywhere and nothing can can separate us from it. You know, it is there. You know, I remember one time, I remember this when I was studying for this lesson, about being in a store one time and there was this mother with a little boy. He was probably four or five years old, and he was behaving badly. And she couldn't control him for some reason or the other, and she said to him, 
you know, if, if you don't behave, if you don't be good, Jesus won't love you. I thought, what dreadful blasphemy. Yeah. I mean, the little boy probably couldn't give a hoot if Jesus loved him or not, you know, at that point in his life. But if his mother continued to tell him that, you know, through his growing up years, he's going to come become an adult believing that Jesus only loves him if he's good. That is certainly not the case because Jesus loves us, you know, in our sin. But he wants to bring us out of our sin. That is why he died. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, we are not going to separate ourselves from God's love, but if we don't keep ourselves in it, we can deny ourselves the benefits of God's love. The commentator David Gusick uses this illustration. He says, it's like living on the dark side of the moon. If we deny ourselves the benefits of God's love, it's like being on the dark side of the moon. The sun's still shining, the light's around there, but we just don't get the benefit of it. Are very much like the prodigal son. Yeah. He was living in squalor, yeah. eating leftover pig slop. But the father still loved him. His, he still had the benefits available to him of all that the father had but he denied himself that for his own selfish reasons. Now, we are, he, uh, Jude says, to build up ourselves on our most holy faith. That's one way that we keep ourselves in the love of God. It keeps, means for us to keep growing spiritually, building ourselves up. You know, there's such a thing as spiritual exercise just as much as there is physical exercise. And Jude is telling us this is something that is, that is our responsibility to do. If we sit all day and watch workout videos on TV, we are not going to get a bit more fit than if we watch something else. The same applies to our spiritual life. We have to exercise our spiritual life in order to get fit. Now, so we have to we have to work at it. It is something that that we do. Now, fortunately, God uh, doesn't leave us just to our own own devices. Uh, you know, when it comes to building up ourselves on our most holy faith. Notice he doesn't say in our most holy faith. There are a few few translations that, that use the term the, the preposition in rather than, than on. But uh, I think we are building on our holy faith. What what faith is that? Well, the faith that Jude talks about in the very first of, of his little book here, um, in verse uh, 3, 
Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. We And we are to build up on this faith, the common faith that we all have in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that there is no other foundation that anyone could lay than that which was laid, which was Jesus Christ. And we are to build our faith upon that one solid foundation. Now, and like I said, it is our, our responsibility to do that. But it is not something that we can do or expected to do on our own. God gives us the means whereby we can exercise our faith and, and help it to grow, to become stronger. That's why he gave us his word, and that is why he gave us the church. That's why he gave us one another. Now, in uh, Ephesians uh chapter 4. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning. I thought it was really neat that we uh, went over the building up of of, uh, of ourselves uh, in our Sunday school class. And he, he says in Ephesians uh, 4 in uh, beginning of verse 11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We build up ourselves and our faith when we come together, when we hear God's word, when we fellowship together in the Lord. Christian fellowship is exceptionally important. And it needs to be more than just two Christians or three or however many, two or three, two or three constituted church coming together and talking about you know, the ball game last night or, or something, you know. We need to come together and exhort one another in the Lord. It's all right to talk about the ball game last night. You know, there's certainly not a thing wrong with talking about how sloppily the Mountaineers played last night, even though they did win big, you know. They still played sloppy. That's all right to talk about that. But we also need to come together and talk about what the Lord is doing in our life. What, what God has been showing me, what he has been dealing with me about, 
because what he has been dealing with me about may help you. What he has been dealing with you about may help me and lift me up and exhort me. Then secondly, prayer. Prayer is, of course, one of the, the most important exercises that we can do to keep ourselves in the love of God. Now, prayer is one of the most effective weapons that we have uh, against evil. Prayer is one of the most effective weapons that we have against wrong teaching. Prayer is just one of the most effective weapons that we have no matter what. But prayer is something that we need assistance with because in our humanness, in our flesh, we don't usually know how we really need to pray. And so we need to pray in with the assistance of the Holy Spirit who can give us the right words to say. Romans 8, Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, sometimes, you know, when we are praying in the Spirit, it isn't the words that we say that we understand that can really make the difference. Sometimes it is just groaning in the Spirit, you know, is the communication that the Spirit wants to, to give through us to the Father. Sometimes it's praying with using the gift of, of tongues. Sometimes it is just being silent before the Lord. But it's following the leading of the Spirit as, as we pray. John Calvin said, Such is our sloth, and that such is the coldness of our flesh, that no one can pray aright except he be aroused by the Spirit of God. No one can pray as he ought without having the Spirit as his guide. So praying in the Spirit helps us keep ourselves within the love of God and safe from the false teachers. And then we're looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And this third way we can keep ourselves in the love of God as we keep the blessed hope of Jesus' return alive in our hearts and thus you know, effectively keeps us in God's love. If we are actively looking and longing for the return of our Lord. You know, back in the early days of the Jesus movement, at the time when Calvary Chapel began, um, you know, its ministry in, in Southern California, the main cry of the Jesus movement was, He's coming again. 
but as time has gone on, you know, we have heard less and less and less of that. We need to continually be reminding ourselves that he is coming again. And looking forward to this, hoping for this, longing for this, hoping that it's going to be today, hoping it will be before I get through this message. Uh, most of you are hoping that too. So, but let's <laughs> keep in mind, yeah, that this is something that we need to have in our hearts, the longing for His coming. I mean, we should long for his coming. I started to say far more than we long to go to work tomorrow. No, that's a bad example. <laughs> then, then for we long for Friday to come, you know, for the weekend, or for, you know, our vacation, or for, you know, whatever else we're looking for. The the main longing in our heart should be for for him to come. Yeah. That is how we. Are to deal with our, ourselves, but how? What about others? What about those who have been influenced by the, the false teachers? Verse 22, he says, "And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh." Now, the words here translated making a distinction could well have been translated wavering uh, or, or doubting. You know, I'm not saying which translation is, is the best, but I think both aptly apply to Jude's instruction here. And what he's telling us is that we are to use whatever approach is appropriate for what the person that we are dealing with. First of all, we are to continue to love those who have fallen under this, the sway of, of false teachers. We should use whatever means, though, the Spirit leads us. Sometimes uh, the best thing to do you know, is a very gentle approach. Some people respond best to, to a, a gentle rebuke. But, you know, it has to be done in love. But others, like he says in, in verse 23, uh, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment uh, defiled by the flesh. Some people need a stronger approach. But even those, you know, we must confront in fear, you know, not in sanctimonious superiority. Pull them out of the fire, yes, but never do it in pride. That reminded me of a little short poem by the famous preacher C.T. Studd. He said, some want to live within the sound of church and chapel bell. I'd rather run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. You know, it is important you know, that we don't let our brothers and sisters who, who have been influenced by false teachers remain so. We 
have to be concerned with the spiritual welfare of one another. But, you know, he's warning us too here that when we are confronting evil, when we are working with somebody who have has been influenced by bad teaching, we have to consider ourselves as well because we could very easily fall in the same snare, in the same trap that they did. You know, I, I've used this example before, but it bears repeating again. You know, I remember when Gloria was a lifeguard in her lifeguard classes, she said one of the first things they learned was when you are saving somebody, the first thing you need to consider is to save yourself. Because if you b both drowned, what good have you done? Save yourself first. Yeah. <clears throat> Take care of yourself when you are in, even in the spiritual realm dealing with somebody who has come under the influence of bad teaching that you yourself don't fall for the, in the same trap. And then he, he closes with probably the one part of Jude that is best known, and that is this uh, little doxology uh, about God's love and his care for us. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. <clears throat> Note here that he who is able to keep you from stumbling, he is the God who is able. He has all power. Our faith our life, our very souls are secure with him. You know, perhaps Jude, uh, the Holy Spirit had Jude include this in here because, you know, after the warning, you know, it would be very easy to be discouraged. You know, so much false teaching, so much immorality that, you know, we would just be overwhelmed with it. But we need to be reminded that he is the God that is able, and he is able to keep us. It is he, and he alone, that has the power to keep us. We do not have the power to keep ourselves. We don't have the power to do much of anything except to hope and rely on him to, to see us through. Left to our own devices, we're much like sheep who, when left to their own devices, wander to their own destruction. You know, like the old hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. You know, prone to leave the God I love. We need the good shepherd to keep us and to guide us and to bring us safely into his fold. <clears throat> Keeping us spiritually safe is God's work. But you know, <clears throat> we can always tell who God is working in 
because these are people that are working as well. You know, so often, as in most things in Christianity, there's a dichotomy. There's two things going on. There's God's part and there's ours part, our, our part. God's part is to do what we cannot. That is to keep us spiritually safe and bring us into the fulfillment of his kingdom and to share eternity with us. But as Jude is saying, we have a part too to keep ourselves in the love of God. God doesn't call us just to leave everything to him and let the Christian life just happen to us without any effort on our part. We are to keep ourselves spiritually fit by exercising our faith, by keeping ourselves in prayer, by keeping ourselves in the word. He says, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. You know, as God is faithful, we won't have to slink shamefacedly uh, into his presence, you know, when he comes because we can be presented before him with exceeding joy. Colossians 1, 21, 22 says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Wow. <laughs> what can you say to that except, wow, you know, what has he done? And praise the Lord for that. He alone is wise, and to him be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. This all reminds us of God's wisdom, glory, and power. And when we acknowledge and declare the truth about God, you know, it glorifies Him. We aren't giving this to God. We are recognizing this in Him. You know, the Apostle Peter uh, in Second, the book of Second Peter, gives pretty much the same warning as Jude has in in his book. And you know. He, he closes with this. He says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. <clears throat> in the words of the great preacher, G. Campbell Morgan, he said, Let us test ourselves whether we be in the faith or not by asking ourselves whether we are in the love of God. Is there bitterness in our hearts? Is there anger in our soul against another man? Is there the making of murder in you? Or is there greed or covetousness? or a spirit of envy. God still loves you, but are you keeping yourself in God's love? He says, I pray with Jude 
that you remember Israel was delivered from Egypt by God but many perished in the wilderness angels many of whom didn't keep their first estate wound up being cast into outer darkness yeah may he help us understand the importance of keeping ourselves in our love in his love and may it be the purpose of our heart that we do that that we keep ourselves in God's love and safe from the effects of the false teachers and those who would wish to destroy our souls. Father, thank you for your word. <clears throat> thank you for your warnings. And thank you for assuring us that you have us in your hands that you are taking care of us, that we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. You are our good shepherd, and you will not lead us astray. In Jesus' name, amen. Lisa. stand and worship again. That was awesome. Oops. <laughs> Close. Because you were forsaken 